It is a nightmare, but it was always the right decision to get Will Levis as many snaps as humanly possible in his rookie year, no matter what that looked like. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Monday, January 1st. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I am joined recording live, as always, on a Sunday afternoon. So this is New Year's Eve, December 31st uh, by producer JT, who you can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, how are you? Happy New Year's Eve, and for folks that are listening to the podcast, uh, not live, in post, Happy New Year. Yeah, right? It's It feels super weird that we're recording this on New Year's Eve, and then tomorrow, like, everything that we say is, like, not gonna, like, uh, Everything's matter. a year late. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, but uh, Derek that is kid, also The kid in high correct. school that would show up the first day of school and, like, I haven't showered in a year, you know, it's like, the the, the jokes um, are, they're tough. But at least Derek is, is correct at saying, at least we don't oh. have to watch the Titans in 2023 anymore, which is true, and this I, is, I yep. think that's something that we can all appreciate. No, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, we're excited to well, not talk about this Titans game, but talk about everything besides the actual game. And we're excited that there's only one game left of this version of the Titans that we have to endure before we can talk about what should be a really, really exciting offseason draft, ton of money to spend in a free agency, a lot of moving parts and a lot, a lot more to be happy about, to be excited about as a Titans fan coming up after just one more game. Uh, with with this version of the Tennessee Titans. We are going to discuss the Titans getting rolled by the Texans in Houston, one of the worst football games that I've ever had to sit through and watch the entirety of. Uh, it was uncompetitive. It was uncompelling. It was a disaster. Um, it, it sucked. It was gross. But we're going to talk about that and the few things there are to gain there. We'll talk about Mike Vrabel and j- like the job security situation. I want to touch on Peter Skaronsky a little bit because folks had some thoughts on him this past week and especially after this game um we'll talk about anything that you want to talk about regarding that game in the comments of which there are many of you already tuning in i see joey and Derek and evan and dr knockers and nick already all in here in the comment section you can join them by going on over broadway sports media's youtube page that's broadway sports media on youtube find this live stream there and in the comment section on youtube that's where you can leave your comments and we would love to hear your thoughts questions comments on this game or on anything else Titans related that you would like for us to discuss in today's episode. Do us a favor. If you are listening live, help us out by spreading this show as best you can hit like on YouTube, hit like or retweet on Twitter, hit like or share on Facebook, copy the link, send it to a buddy that you think might be interested in today's show, whatever you can do to help us get as many live eyeballs on today's product as possible. Be very helpful to us and be considered a a end of 2023 gift to us from you. I would very much appreciate that. So thanks in advance for helping us out there. Uh, we are brought to you today, as we always are, by Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. Going to tell you all about them and the lovely, lovely situation they've got with three Middle Tennessee locations um, in in the Nashville area. We love it at Boomba's. We'll tell you more about that later on in today's show. But JT, let's go ahead and dive right into what was a game of all time. The Titans lose. I've blocked the score. Twenty-six to three. Is that the final score? That sound right? Yeah, I think so. I okay, think that see, was that's, the correct. Score. That's how bad it was. The um, final like 
25 it was minutes a, it was a lot to a little I was that's half for sure. paying attention it was a lot to a little i know the titans only scored three points that part i can guarantee uh, but you just look up and down this box score the texans almost doubled the titans first downs had uh, nearly 10 more total plays run nearly doubled their total yards uh, actually had fewer drives than the titans did somehow uh but they had 5.1 yards per play to the titans 3.5 it was a disaster class for the Titans and seeing the Texans offense and the Titans offense juxtaposed on the same screen in the same game was brutal. It was a master class in function and dysfunction. It, it was so night and day how the Texans, when they wanted something to work, they got it to work pretty much anything. And the Titans, if they wanted anything to work, it was a miracle if they managed to get it to work. And that goes for anything. Um, two teams that are really on polar opposites um, of their trend line right now. The Titans certainly trending down. This felt like a bit of a new rock bottom for them, JT, which is fitting and not all that surprising. And I don't think it's that indicting considering the skeleton crew of a team that they rolled out there this week um a, a group that the, the players that were out there were either guys you don't know or guys you do know and aren't very good i mean i i'm gonna try to find this on the fly here i meant to bring it up before we started recording today but i i put out i think it was yesterday maybe on friday a list of the titans current ir situation um the players that they currently have on ir is a very very lengthy one and there are many really talented players um, just not playing for this team right now, because frankly, why would they? Right. Um, and I'm struggling to find this. Maybe I'll, Oh, here we go. Here we go. So the list of the Titans current injured reserve with two games left to play now, one game left to play. Um, but going into this game, tight end, Josh Wiley, wide receiver, NWI wide receiver, Kiaris Jackson, running backs, Julius Chestnut and Hassan Haskins tackles, Chris Hubbard and Nicholas Petit Freire defensive tackles, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, Kyle Pecco and Shaquille Brown. Linebackers, Luke Gifford, Chance Campbell, Joe Jones, and Jack Gibbons. Cornerback, Christian Fulton, safety, Monty Hooker, and punter, Ryan Stonehouse. That is, I think, 16 players, something like that. Uh, a, lot, a lot of starters in there. A lot of uh, supporting cast players in there. That's not to say that they lost because those guys weren't on the field. That certainly is not all of it. The rest of the Titans team that is still healthy, also not very good. But, again, it, it was a skeleton, especially on defense, right? And that, that was the big thing today, the the Texans offense got pretty much whatever they wanted, um, especially between the twenties, between the tens, even now it remains hilarious to me, JT, just how successful this Titans uh, red zone defense has been. I think you were tracking it throughout the game. What did they end of the game at? They're still the league's best red zone defense, the best at keeping teams from getting seven points, forcing three points or a turnover on downs or a, or a, a well, just a turnover. Um, do you have the in the mid thirties? Yeah, I believe um, I can check because like you, this was really a game that I think um, a lot of us can't be faulted for, but kind of lost interest in very much. Like what was there towards, to be interested in? There was <laughs> towards, towards the, uh, towards the broadcast the crew was getting names um, wrong on a consistent basis. You had a, a, Andre Dillard, Andrew Dillard out there. Yes. Uh, getting killed. You had at one point they called him Sean Burphy Munting. <laughs> which was my favorite. That was art. That was my favorite part of the day. Um, terrible um, broadcast, broadcast crew, terrible product on the field. 
Yeah, so the the Texans ended up on the day um, going one for three uh, on their on their uh, red zone attempts. I think they had one late um, in which that puts the Titans now at a thirty eight and a half uh, percent red zone. Um, so I would have to double check. How? I didn't see how um, I didn't explain, see what the what explain the, to me right now how they're doing it. I, I do not know, but I don't didn't like. Think so. It, they might may, may have moved uh, back behind the Atlanta Falcons, but after that performance they had today, I highly doubt it. So I do still think that this Titans team is the best uh, red zone percentage defense in in the league, and, and they're up there um, as the three or fourth best red zone defense in the last ten years, which is just absolutely mind boggling. For the Titans, for the for the league, like, yes, for for the, the league, whole NFL yes. in the last ten years, they're like the third or fourth best red zone defense ridiculous crazy i i don't i don't know how they're doing that because again they've got a bunch of guys they're just no names guys you don't know i we're we cover the team guys we don't know out there playing ball couldn't tell you anything about them besides their name and their position like they're getting torched up and down the field and then in the red zone they, they hold up but again that was really the only shining moment in this game uh will levis of course maybe we've kind of buried the lead on this will levis goes out there gets killed on either his first or second sack of the day um tough moment for the John Ajoku hive of which we've kind of flirted with. We've not been full blown John Ajoku guys on this show, but like I was in, I was in favor of seeing what they had in the kid in this game. And in the end of the season here, as it's fact finding time for the Titans and seeing what they've got in their players. Well, they, they tried him out there as an extra, they, ha they had him lined up actually as like a, a jumbo tight end on the play that Levis gets hurt on. Yeah. He gets blown by actually both of the right side, linemen get blown by and it's hilarious because the i don't even know who was playing right tackle on that snap but whoever was actually playing I think it was right Raidens. okay so who, if raiden's was actually playing right tackle he's getting killed but to his right playing jumbo tight end is is uh Ajoku, a joke who, who, who gets the chance never i mean bar barely breathed on the guy as he runs by him um murders levis knocks him on his butt levis probably should have seen it coming because it's not a blindside tackle but um, he hardly had any time to even recognize what was happening. But if you watch the play back, Raiden's whoever it was playing actual right tackle looks back like in astonishment that somebody got beat faster than they did, um, which is impressive, but it did happen. And so he gets hurt a, a foot injury. He was deemed questionable and then later downgraded to out. It sounds like it's not related to that ankle injury. So this is like compounding like another injury. Don't know the severity of it. I I, you know, I'm inclined to say if things were different scenario wise, maybe it would have been one that he toughed it out and got back out there or at least tried, but given the circumstances, they told him to just, let's just shut it down, bud. And, and you obviously are hoping that's the case for the Titans either way. You know, the good news is, and folks that are beating their chest who were staunch anti don't, you know, don't play Levis this week. You can't play him behind this line. It's, it's a, it's a nightmare. It is a nightmare, but it was always the right decision to get Will Levis as many snaps as humanly possible in his rookie year. No matter what that looked like, those live reps are invaluable. And so getting as many as you can, even if it means getting hurt, I think is still worth it. Because again, you've got a whole offseason for him to heal up. And mentally, I'm not worried about him uh, getting getting rattled in the head uh, and losing confidence or anything like that. And so it's it stinks that he didn't play much of this game. Ryan Tannehill, poor guy had to come in was kind of dealing at first, like low key. I think he went like nine for nine on his first nine passes. I was moving the ball pretty well, despite, you know, that situation he was playing with out there. 
he gets killed like five or six times, gets sacked. I think on in total, the Titans got sacked six times today. So I think five of those were on Tannehill, four or five of them were on Tannehill. They asked him after the game how he felt. And he said he felt like John Wick at the end of a movie, which big John Wick spoilers here for folks that haven't seen the last one. It's been out for months now. So like, sorry, get over it. Turn it, tune out for 10 seconds if you haven't. Uh, I, I finished watching John Wick 4 last night. And it's a movie in which John Wick, like the most impenetrable, unstoppable man on the face of the planet dies in the end. So like that checks out. Um, that's about how Ryan Tannehill looked and acted towards the end of that game. And I'm sure he's looking forward to not having to play behind that offensive line ever again. Um, although he might have to next week. We'll have to see. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure he's hoping that maybe just let's throw him a week out there. Let's give the young, young buck a chance. Um, what else to say about this game? You had some uh, record breaking moments in this game for some of the Titans players, which is hilarious when you put it in the context of our buddy Rob Greenlaw on Twitter. Uh, he pointed out that you've got on this team this year. Here, here are the stats, right? As of today, Harold Landry recorded his 10th and a half sack this season. He added a sack in this game, or maybe two, but he's at 10 and a half total on the year, which means the Titans, between Danico Autry and Harold Landry, both having north of 10 sacks, they are the only team in the league as of right now that has two players with 10 or more sacks. Again, don't ask me how. I, I don't know, but you also saw... Uh, DeAndre Hopkins exceed 1,000 yards of receiving today. Uh, JT, look at how many yards did he have in total today? I think he had over 100, but I, I may be wrong about that. Um, the point is, he has over 1,000 receiving yards on the season. That's his seventh such season in he the only, NFL. He had, he had 72 yards. So 72. Would, okay, so yeah. I don't know why I had 100 in my head. Okay, so he had a good day regardless. Uh, and then Derrick Henry exceeded 1,000 yards rushing on the year, which is his fifth such season in the NFL. Both of them, for my money, future Hall of Famers. But you put that all in context, and so we're sitting with one game left to go. The Titans, only team in the league with two players that have 10 or more sacks, a 1,000-yard wide receiver, a 1,000-yard rusher, and they're going to have like a top five pick in the draft. Uh, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. That's, that's hard to do, I'd say, um, but they've managed to do it. What what to what do the folks in the comments have to say about this game, JT? What were your thoughts on this game? I want to dive into some specific topics on Mike Vrabel and Peter Skaronsky in a second, but tell me what your thoughts were. Yeah, I, I mean, <clears throat> this this was one of the games where I I found it hard to to keep watching. I, I'm you texted me like, but ten minutes left in the second quarter, and you're like, can we not? Can I just like, yeah. drink myself into oblivion? It, it was, and I said, no, yeah. you may not. I mean, on, on New Year's Eve, you know, I was like coming into the men mentality, work hard, play hard, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to have a good time with some friends and family later, but I was like, got to be sober right now. And that game made me not want to be sober, like whatsoever. Yeah, um, 1 15 PM. You said, I don't think I can watch this game anymore. You texted me and I just sent you <laughs> back a picture of that meme from bird box for the guys holding the ladies eyes wide open. I was forcing you to watch this game and you said, I'm going to drink so much tonight, which is, I think, warranted. Um, don't hop, don't hop in a vehicle. But other than that, I think absolutely warranted. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think our uh, one of our buddies, Austin Huff, said it also as well. He was just like, he's he's like it's the same thing over and over again. And I, I, I just had to tweet out, like we said last week, I, I think I'm going insane because we're going to, we are, we're all we're collectively thing. going, we're going to talk about the same thing here. And that's that this team is the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again, like yep. 
finally getting a stop on this Texans team and Caleb Murphy, which like, yeah, we we've said like in short, in the short term, he he's done pretty good, but Caleb Murphy makes an inexcusable play on the punt, giving the Texans new life in which they then go down the field. 90 yards score a touchdown put that game yeah. even further it, out it of was reach. a three and out inside the texans own 10 yard line correct and then an inexcusable running into the kicker penalty it's suddenly it's a 92 yard seven minute drive for a touchdown yes. and, yep. and it's just like at, at this point like it, it's so it's ridiculous i i just can't put my i, I can't watch it anymore we're running it, out of words we're running, I, I'm out, running of words. out of words i really have nothing no. else to say besides like it, it like something has to give at some point and whether that is just an influx of new players or like the, the changing of an offensive line coach, the changing of a couple of position coaches. I mean, even at this point, like I'm not personally ru- ruling out a, a firing of the head coach, even though I think it's highly unlikely, but it, I'm not ruling that out. I, it, like, as I texted you as well, I'm thinking about buying my ticket onto the, could Mike Vrabel be fired this <laughs> off season train? I'm not doing it, but like, I'm, I'm considering it because I think all options are on the table because I'm just like, I feel like I'm losing my mind when I watch this team. Yeah. And you, you had your textbook Titans drives in this, in this competition where one in particular that I noted, like uh, they get to midfield, actually moving the ball, and then a drop pass, loss of five on a draw play that nobody is really blocking for. And then the quarterback is under pressure on third and 15, and then it ends in a punt. Um, a lot of that, not just this week, but in general. Um, Kenneth in the comments, <laughs> like clockwork, coming in here saying, I know what Easton will yell, quote, it's the roster, end quote. Yep, that, that's me. Uh, don't be surprised by the coaching firings come Black Monday, Kenneth says. he's He is conducting the train the the mike vrabel should be fired will be fired train um he's let's the, talk. Uh, he's he's the uh tom hanks to my little child he, polar express he's, the, like, he, he's, he's <laughs> the one going going crazy on the ticket yeah and he's, he's he's clicking out fired on the ticket he's trying to get speak. me on the train and i just yeah, don't yeah, know yeah. if i can do it let's talk about that kenneth and let's talk about that uh with folks in the comments here I don't think this game changes anything about Vrabel's job status, which I think is the predictable take. You like, like Kenneth says, you come in here expecting me to say that. Let me explain why. Cause I, I, I with each passing week, my a- animal brain becomes more and more sympathetic to what you and what Kenneth are talking about. Um, and I, I think there are two schools of thought here. What you said was interesting to me, JT, because you said you're thinking about buying your ticket to the Mike Vrabel might be fired train, which I find interesting because that sounds like you're thinking whether you think he should or not, it might happen. I think there's a difference between thinking he should be and wondering if he will be. Um, because certain times in NFL history, we, we have seen uh, pretty regularly sometimes, you see guys get fired that maybe shouldn't be fired. And it, it's a mistake, but it does happen. Um, I, I am closer and closer with each passing week to wondering if I should join that train of Mike Ribble might be fired. I am not anywhere near the Mike Ribble should be fired train yet. And so here's why. Again, it's the players out there and the players not out there, right? Like we started the show talking about how on defense in particular, you've got guys out there that are folks you've never heard of on the offensive side of the ball. You've got Andrew Rupchich and a hurt Jalen Duncan and John Ajoku out there getting meaningful snaps. You got Daniel Brunskill going down mid game. You've got uh, a very flawed center in in um, uh, blanking uh, help. Uh, Aaron Brewer. Aaron Brewer, thank you. To- totally blanking. Uh, Aaron Brewer at center, who's not equipped just as an athlete to hang with in- inefficient or uh, uh, unusable players around him. Um. 
I, I could go on and on about the names that are out there that like, again, I'm sitting here like racking my brain trying to remember what's that guy's name again, because we don't know these guys because they're not good players. They're like that's the bottom line here. Um, they came into this game knowing they'd be playing a lot of those guys. Like you saw on Saturday, the guys that were being brought up as active uh, game day roster participants and, and folks that were on this roster as the official starters in this game, who you're like, who, what, huh? Kevin Raiders out there getting meaningful snap. Like, like, it's a bunch of that out there. And I don't think Mike Gribble rolls into this week. This is my number one reason why I don't think it changes anything. He does not roll into this game, into this week with the roster situation as he had it without having a semblance of security in not worrying about doing anything to lose his job. The rest of these uh, last two games, I'm having a hard time articulating this point, I guess, because I don't know for a fact that there are certain players that didn't play in this game that could have. But when you look at the list of guys on IR, especially in the past, like two, maybe three weeks since it's become excruciatingly clear, like since the Titans literally got ruled out of the playoffs, like it's not possible. And then suddenly you see guys going on IR and you're like, really? Josh Wiley's going to IR. Jeffrey Simmons is going to IR with four games left in the season. NWI is going to Amani hookers going to IR. Jack Gibbons is going. Really? And it, those moves where, you know, we're tuned into the injury situation, we know as well as anybody on the outside could know. And then you see those and you're surprised by it. That to me indicates like this is a this is a pack it in situation a little bit here, right? Like maybe some of these guys really did have to go to IR and maybe some really couldn't play. But when you're in a fact finding situation like this team is where, uh, you know, with players like Amani Hooker and Jeffrey Simmons and to an extent, Jack Gibbons and NWI, you kind of know what you have in those guys. Josh Wiley, a young guy who you're confident you're going to have around next year anyways. Moving them to IR doesn't really mean much. You know, it's a bummer to them as a person, but you move them to IR. It doesn't really hurt the team um, as, as far as what the objective is. And the objective, of course, is to find out what you have in the guys you don't know about. And those guys you already know about. And so, again, I'm not saying they could play through their injury. I'm not saying they, they're only on IR because the Titan season's over. But I'm saying it kind of looks that way, right? Am I, I don't think that's tinfoil hattie at all to say that there's probably a lot of players not playing right now for this team that if they were competing for a playoff spot would absolutely be playing. Yeah, at least specifically players who um, in some cases know that they that they will be on this team going forward or right. are still under contract or are players that have always been around this team that they most likely will bring back. Like you have guys like, I mean, I mean I, I'm pretty sure Sean Murphy Bunting has been playing through injury this entire time, but because he he's on a one-year yep. contract, like yep. the dude's not going to go on IR because that hurts his stock as well as like his chance to to get a better contract next year. Um, and so like guys like that, I think um, who, who aren't under the security of, an, of a contract right now, I think that's why you're seeing them out there. So I don't think that's ridiculous to say whatsoever. And my, and my grand point in bringing that up again, because we're talking about Vrabel and his job security is to say, I don't think he rolls into the, these final weeks like this with kind of that pack it in roster management mentality. I don't think him and rain are doing that if they weren't both secure in what their long-term future, at least mid to long-term future with this team looks like. And that is not being fired on black Monday. Like Kenneth is alluding to now that's not Kenneth did say coaching firings. So if he's alluding to other coaches on this team, potentially getting fired, I, I won't begrudge that at all. I I'd imagine after any team finishes five and 12 or six and 11, which the Titans will be doing at this point, I'd imagine any 
situation like that for any team is going to result in some heads rolling. It kind of has to, right? Um, and so let's talk about that in general because we've beaten this drum. I, I, I hate talking about this because we, we don't know the answer of what's going to happen. And I've made my point exceedingly clear. I'm, I'm sure folks like Kenneth who disagree with me are tired of me saying the same thing over and over. And listen, I'm tired of saying it. Like I think my position's clear at this point and nothing has happened to really change that. Folks who disagree with me, your position is clear. I understand your position. I don't think anything's really happened to change that much. You might argue that games like this change that. I really don't think that they do. But the bottom line is we're going to find out soon, right? We're going to find out um, what's going to happen. And I had a friend of mine, Caden Dreyer, uh, if you happen to see this, Caden, what's up? He He's DMing me about, he's a fan of the team. He's DMing me during the game, asking some questions, and we're going back and forth. And and trying to kind of narrow down again, like how much of this is on the players, how much is on the coaches. Again, to reiterate for the millionth time, it's like everything in life is there's a gray element to everything. Nobody is faultless on this five and 11 team at this point. Nobody. Everybody is at fault. Mike Vrabel's at fault. Some Rand Carthens at fault. Some every player is at fault. Some every coach is at fault. Some it's, it's about figuring out who who's actually got the, the majority of the blame. Who's really at fault, right? Um, who's the most at fault? And the bottom line for this team for me is this. Yes, they may need better coaching at certain positions, at maybe a coordinator position, maybe at head coaching positions, or the head coaching position. That that may be the reality. I don't necessarily think so, especially I, I think the head coach and the two coordinators, I think they're all good at their job. I don't think they need better there, but um, it's a possibility. Like I'm not going to say definitively that, there isn't serious issues there. The problem for me, and the reason why I don't feel comfortable saying definitively the coaching is or isn't good in any, in any position on the coaching roster is that we know for a fact that they absolutely need much, 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 much better players across the board. They need dudes and they don't have dudes. And without dudes out there, it's largely a guessing game when it comes to coaching. And that's like the biggest area of growth for me as an analyst this year, just speaking personally and, and frankly, like figuring out how I look at and evaluate a team. It's really tough, man. When, when a, when a, a group of guys is just not cutting it, they just can't hang at the NFL level. You've got too many cannonball sized gouges in the side of your ship and you're taking on water and your coaching staff is down there in the in the hold scooping out buckets as fast as they can maybe they suck at it and they could do a better job and they could keep the ship afloat but maybe there's just too many holes like maybe it's a sinking ship no matter who you have at the helm that that's what i constantly am held up on and that's why i am not opposed to certain coaching positions being looked at for replacement we talked what was it last week about the offensive line coaching coach hosk uh, coach uh, jason Houtling who was brought on with zero coaching experience, who's clearly not done anything this season to make you think like, maybe there's something there. No, there's none of that. Um, but also he's in the same position where it's like, have you seen the guys he's working with? I, I'm, I'm not opposed to the, the people in that building deciding, yeah, we need to make a change. I'm, I'm not going to push back too hard on fans who are like, I'm confident they need to change. Cause I understand where you're coming from. I really do. So I'm, I'm fine with them having some heads roll on black Monday. But my ultimate point here is I think they might need some better coaching at certain positions, but I'm not sure. I know, I know they need a lot better players on this team that no matter what the actual issue is, whether or not 
you know there's an issue at coaching, it's not a big as as big an issue as what they have on the personal side of the ball. JT, it, does that do that? That was kind of choppy, and I know that was kind of all over the place. That makes sense. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I I think that makes sense, but at the same time, it also is just kind of like you there are also things that just have happened over week and week uh, over and over again like sure. penalties penalties is a huge thing. yeah yeah it's yep. the biggest thing for this team let's talk and, about that a little bit um i i think that i i don't know if it's what Vrabel is teaching or if it goes down to the level below that that says um this is a, a personnel coach like the 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 position coach like if that is a a, a thing like there seems to be such a lack of di- discipline right now on this team that I I don't and th- to your point like also like if the players are just bad like there's a difference between like this being Vrabel's fault but also like I I don't know inside that locker room if, if what this is the direct result of what Vrabel is is coaching but right. also um like the, the players just like they're just not starting caliber players so, so let me make both sides of that argument because I I think this is the mo- on the Vrabel is not coaching well. The pantheon of arguments there, I think the most interesting one to me right now is the penalties thing, because you're right. The Titans are consistently week in and week out committing unacceptable penalties and repeat penalties from some of the same players doing the same things over and over. And I 1000% understand fans saying, man, that's coaching. That's got to be coaching because in general, we are taught to, and this is true in general, how disciplined a team is on the field is Okay, typically a reflection of how disciplined a, a how tight a ship their coach runs, how well their coach does in teaching that discipline uh, during the work week. Right. I get that. A hundred percent. I do. Let me present the, the devil's devil's advocate argument for that, because this is honestly where I kind of fall right now and why I think it's it's not it's not a thing for me with Vrabel where I'm really concerned about that, although I if it continues maybe into next year with different players, maybe then I can be. We saw a Mike Vrabel coached team for years, for years, be one of the more disciplined teams in the league when it comes to penalties, when it comes to uh, game script, like game management, situational awareness, all of these things that the Titans right now are bad at. And all of these things that folks are pointing to and saying, look at this, this has got to be coaching. We saw him be the opposite of this for years with much better players. He's now got much worse players. And you see these guys, you see Dylan Ravens jump off sides for the, the seventh consecutive game or whatever it is. And the camera on the broadcast pans to Mike Vrabel, who has this look of brokenness on his face. He's rubbing his eyebrows, rubbing his eyes, just, just defeated. And that to me, like if I'm reading the body language there, that to me is a guy that's saying, dude, we work with this player. We work with this group of players. We work with everybody on the team every single week on these things, teaching discipline every way we know how, and they're just not getting it. They just, they just, it's not getting through to them. They're maybe they're just not good enough to not commit the penalties. You know, maybe the, the guys in the secondary that are, that are caught holding or making illegal contact before the throw. Maybe it's not because they don't know not to, but because they have to, or else they're going to get murdered. They're going to get torched out there, right? Maybe it's a, a snap reaction by the offensive lineman to jump because they know they're getting outmatched by this solo rusher that they're going to have to guard one-on-one here in a minute. That kind of thing. Like there is a line somewhere between discipline 
and penalties are a coaching issue. And no matter what the coaches do, these, these, these players are just going to do it. Like it's, it's, it's the coach. You can't, Mike Vrabel can't not jump off sides. Mike Vrabel can't not make illegal contact in the secondary. Mike Vrabel can't not commit pass interference. He can teach it. He can try, but, but at the end of the day, it's the players who are doing it. So again, that's the devil's argument, uh, devil's advocation argument to that issue. And man, I just, if I hadn't seen him do it for years with players and be the opposite of this, I'd be inclined to agree, but we've seen him run a tight ship with players that can run a tight ship right now. He doesn't have players that can do that. Yeah. And Evan James here in the comments says, I don't think he should be fired yet, but I do think that the magnifying glass should be That's on fine. him. The sure. roster turnover this off season may be legendary, which I think you need is it to also, be, you um, need it to be. A, a very fair point. Um, Derek in the comments also says, can we just opt out of the Chags game? Um, <laughs> which would be funny, but also I think Jacob brings up a good point that says anyone with a modicum of pride will want to beat Jacksonville in Nashville next week and ruin their season. It's the yeah. rival thing to do. So I, I, like I said, I, we talked about this, that in these divisional games today was tough because like, I, I think they, for better or for worse, they, they came out with, with no gas whatsoever in this game. Um, and then once Will Levis was out of the game, I think that kind of put the, the final nail in the coffin. But especially, as we said, they, this team plays better at home anyways. Um, mm -hmm. Getting Jacksonville next week at home, who I still don't think is that much better of a team to be honest like in, in terms of like against the texans like with they're, the, going, the nfl they're just they're pretty mediocre i think yeah both, I, I think i think yeah. that they're gonna want to go out there and they're gonna try to ruin the the jaguar season just like they Absolutely. ruined their season last year yes yeah no, th there's i love that jacob brings this up and we're gonna talk about it this week but there's a lot for the titans to be want to, like a lot of reasons for the titans to want to win that game next week they are fighting to not go winless in their division they are fighting to get revenge on a team that has beaten them three, four times in a row now, three at least, I think. Um, they're fighting in week, you know, 18 for the second year in a row against the same team at the very end of the year. This is the second time where the Jacksonville can punch their ticket to the division title and hosting a playoff game. Titans don't want that to happen. Um, so they're they're gonna fight in that game. They they may not win, they may get murdered. I don't know. But you've got a, a beat up Jacksonville team not playing with their starting quarterback. Um, Titans may not either, but it, th there's, there's plenty, there's plenty there. Um, can we move, can we just be done? Can we talk about this game more maybe later in the week? Let's talk about the draft position. Cause that's that let's, let's talk about the hope that lies on the horizon for this team. And we've got a, an interesting situation brewing for this Titans team where we are slowly with one game left and with some games with implications currently going on in the late afternoon window, we're starting to narrow down what the Titans draft spot's going to look like. So let's talk about that here in just a second. Before we, but before we do, got to tell you about our wonderful and amazing sponsors here at the Hot Read Podcast, Boombox Craft Pizza and Tap House. Man, they are awesome. We love Boombox Craft Pizza and Tap House. JT, you're going to be back this week for our Boombox episode, correct? Indeed, back, I will. Back in house. So I know you're craving some of that good, good, delicious Boombox Craft Pizza and tap house drinks that they have on tap, a great local and domestic selection for you. Um, we, we love it at Boombaz. Half the fun is getting to hang out with the folks at the bar and in the restaurant and watch Thursday night football on Thursdays. After we do our show again, we do our live show at Boombaz in spring Hill at five 30 PM central standard time each Thursday. And then we hang around afterwards, grab a bite, grab a drink at the bar, hang out with whoever's there 
give away gift cards to whoever comes and says, hey, and we have a good time. It's delicious. It's really, really fun. The folks there are fantastic. We love the people that run the establishment. So couldn't recommend Boomba's more. And if you don't want to come to Spring Hill, which is only about 20, 25 minutes down I-65, if you're in the Nashville area, you can go to one of their other two locations in Middle Tennessee. They've got Spring Hill, where we are located on Thursdays. They've got East Nashville, and they've got Murfreesboro. Uh, those three locations here in the Middle Tennessee area. Also locations in Kentucky and Indiana, if you're from out of town. But man, Boomba's is awesome. We love them, and we love how they, as Jacob says in the comments, make bad football games good. Absolutely, they do. We look forward to hopefully continuing our sponsorship with Boomba's for a very long time, maybe into the draft season, hopefully. Just shout out to the folks at Boomba's. We'd love to make that happen. We'll be in talks about that. But um, for now, we love Boomba's, and we love being there each and every Thursday, which will be through to the Super Bowl. So excited about that. All right, JT, let's, let's, uh, let's talk about the draft positioning, and let's pull up that graphic that we pulled. Here's the Tankathon picture for how the Titans and the NFL's draft picture draft situation is shaping up as of again, right now on Sunday afternoon with some late games still pending and uh, the Sunday night game still pending. Titans are currently sitting at sixth. Now, functionally they're at seventh because right now, and, and maybe I've, maybe things have changed since the beginning of the episode, JT are the Chargers still looking like they're going to lose this game. Uh, yeah, the, the Chargers are still, in fact, losing this game, and Easton Stick um, doesn't seem to be performing any better. Okay, so assuming that Chargers lose that game to the Broncos, the Titans will be at seventh behind the uh, Panthers, who pick belongs to the Bears, Washington, New England, Arizona, the Giants, and the Chargers. They are now locked in somewhere between fourth and eighth. With this loss today, worst case is they win next week and they're uh, going to drop down to eighth overall. Best case is they can get all the way up to fourth. And I think I've done the math on this correctly. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is correct. That is the window in which they are sitting. And there are four results next week that are going to dictate where the Titans end up. One of them moves them up a spot. And then the other three, each will move, whichever of those three, each check mark in the Titans' favor in any of those games moves them up one spot. So, of course, Jacksonville needs to beat Tennessee for them not to be uh, eighth overall. If Jacksonville beats Tennessee, they stay at seventh, right? And then these three games are what you're looking for if you're a Titans fan next week. If the Chargers beat Kansas City, they move up a spot. Unlikely, but possible. Uh, if Arizona beats Seattle, they move up a spot. And if the Giants beat Philadelphia, they move up a spot. So that's what you're looking at. The strength of schedule situation is kind of fluky, but I believe that it's going to pan out this way no matter what. Um, I think it's just wins and losses right now. Maybe there are some scenarios in which the strength of schedule situation changes. The, the Titans did not get any favors done for them this week in terms of the strength of schedule because of all of the AFC South teams besides them winning this week. Um, so I think four is the ceiling. Eight is the floor at this point. And those are your results you're looking for next week. The Chargers beating Kansas City or coming back today to beat Denver potentially. Uh, Arizona beating Seattle and the Giants beating Philly. So JT with eighth overall being the floor for this team, the worst case scenario for them, which is a good worst case scenario for this team that needs players badly. It really, it functionally guarantees them one of the following players. Should they choose to draft them? Tackle Joe Alt, tackle Olu Fashanu, wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr., wide receiver Malik Neighbors, wide receiver Roma Dunze, or tight end Brock Bowers like those. And again, I, 
some folks gave me flack for Roma Dun- including Roma Dunze into that. I- I've made this clear before. Let me make it clear again. I, and I think I'm speaking for JT here too. I don't really start my draft prep in earnest until the new year. New year's tomorrow. So that's when I'll start. Uh, but until then, it's like I'm paying attention to the college stuff. I'm paying attention on social media. I'm I'm briefly looking at some other folks' draft boards and becoming familiar with the the situation, the players that are in the game here. Um, but I don't really do the you know our actual diehard evaluation. We're talking through top ten players each position and and ranking guys and having really strong opinions on them. That will all come in the new year. So that starts tomorrow. Looking forward to that. So if you think it's crazy for Omadunze to be in, involved there, if you say so, like, I don't know. I've not really done the work on that yet. Um, but the point is, I know that Joe Alt's up there. I know Oluf Shonda's up there. I know Marvin Harrison Jr.'s up there. I know Malik Neighbors up there. I know Brock Bowers is up there. And if you get three quarterbacks in the top of the draft, which Titans fans should be, that that's your number one non-Titans related, but Titans adjacent narrative that you want to push during draft season this year, Titans fans. So if you want to join the propaganda train, hop on. You need to push these quarterbacks up the list. And we know each spring, there's always a guy or two. People start to, they convince themselves on, they fall in love with. Ooh, ooh, did you see the kid Dorgan? Mm, did you see the kid of Washington this year? Good player. Man, that Jaden Daniels Heisman winner, Jaden Daniels. I mean, he may not be the top two guys, but he's a top five pick. Could happen. Like, that's what you need. You need those narratives to just push those guys, get, get teams to convince themselves. JJ McCarthy won the national title. Like, whoa. Like, I, I'm just saying, there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys in this draft class that you could convince yourself get pushed up that board. And the more quarterbacks get pushed up the board, the more skill, tasty, tasty skill position players get pushed down further into Titans range. And you get more and more of your pick of the litter, and your pick becomes more valuable. So that's what you want to be pushing. Um, yeah, this is good, JT. That's that's the situation on the draft. Any additional thoughts on that? I mean, just like you. I mean, I haven't. I, I will say, I texted you the other day. Uh, I just took a screenshot of the PFF mock draft simulator, and I just mm-hmm. said it calls to me. And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm I'm to just, fire up the machine. Blow, <laughs> I'm ready, man. Blow the dust um, off. Yeah, I think, I think ready. It, it's it's going to be a fun off season for sure. I can't believe we, we got one game to go and son, you know who, what could happen? Maybe we'll spend uh, at this time next week. We'll be laughing our butts off because the, the Titans shocked the world and got a win like that old Bengals team got for uh, against the Ravens that got the bills that playoff mm. birth yep, that yep, one time. Yep. Um, maybe we're taught mm-hmm. we're sitting here laughing at Jags fans next week because that's indeed what happened. But uh, for right now, it's going to be a fun off season and I'm excited. All right. Well, um, do we have any news today? I don't want to cut you off before we get out of here, but do we have, I mean, the news is that the best bet gauntlet, it, oh, it, oh, we can yes. give updates on that. But besides that, I mean, we're fresh can off the heels of, of before you say Titans what our record game. is. So, so, so we, you know, we've had a really historic run on the best bet gauntlet. The last five or six weeks, we've been like 70%. We've just been printing cash and it's been awesome we've gotten kind of spoiled because you and i were we're panicking a little bit in the early window like oh no our our week is falling apart we're going to undo all our progress uh, we felt like we were finally having a nightmare week and then we look up at the end of the early window and we're three and three on the day and plenty of room left to make money um so what 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 have we succeeded at or uh, finished so far and what are we still pending in the best bet gauntlet yeah so currently you are 500 going two and two pending uh pittsburgh right now mm-hmm. um in which they are looking good right now so they're up four you have them at four and a half so that's always good and i'm one and one pending a lot of late games here cincinnati who is still leading the kansas city chiefs uh the chargers who like i said are currently losing by seven to the Broncos and then Green Bay tonight as they take on the Jaron Hall-led Minnesota Vikings. 
Mm, okay. So we're looking like we're going to have a feisty week. We're going to have a fine week. As long as things don't fall apart here down the stretch. Um, that's good. We continue to make money and folks hopefully are betting with us. So that's good news. All right. Uh, I think we're done for today. It's been a weird one. Happy new year to everybody. I'm going to go and party and have some fun. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll go figure it out. JT, I know you're going to hang out with some friends and family. So you enjoy your time. Um, you've, you've worked hard. Now you can party hard. I release you. Um, I hope everybody else has a good, safe and responsible new year's Eve. If you tuned in with us live, we, I believe, are going to be back to a regular three-show schedule this week. So I think we'll have a show on Tuesday, as well as our Boom Boss show on Thursday. Definitely a Boom Boss Tuesday show. Make sure you're following us on uh, our social channels, at Hot Read Pod, at Hot Read Pod on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram for updates as to whether or not that show is going to happen. But I think it's going to. Dr. Knocker saying, Happy New Year, Broadway Sports Media fans. Indeed, indeed. It's been a phenomenal year of the show. Genuinely, from the bottom of our hearts, we thank you so much for listening. For all of you that tuned in with us once or a hundred times this year, thanks a ton for being a part of this show. We wouldn't do it if people didn't listen, and you listen, so we appreciate that. Um, until the new year, until Tuesday, for producer JTM, your host, Easton Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. Enjoy the holiday. We'll talk to you later this week. <laughs>